ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد as i think many of us are aware there are six canonical books in our tradition that relate to the hadith sciences commonly known as the authentic six the most famous among them the collection of imam al-bukhari and imam muslim and one of the remaining four is the sunan of imam abu daud during his process he compiled half a million hadith and that number was so high because he had different chains of narration even if it was for the same hadith but he also included the different chains within that number hence it was quite high at the end of his process he kept a few thousand in his collection and that's what we still have until today what's amazing though is he emphasized four specific hadith for the muslim to hang on to to live by to practice and from his perspective if we took these four hadith and if we lived by them then these four hadith would suffice if we were to compare this to another example take any athlete take any expert in any field if they were to say you know there are half a million things that i've that i've tried that i've done and out of those half a million things there are a few thousand that are special and out of those few thousand there are four specific things that have helped me to get to this point if messi were to say that regarding soccer that's very different than a random person down the street if lebron were to say that regarding basketball it's very different than joe schmo saying that and what makes it very unique special and important is who's saying it so if bill gates is giving pointers you know in in my day right i tried all these different things but if you really want to start a company and if you want it to be successful hang on to these four specific things for someone who's sincerely interested in that they're not just going to pay attention they're going to memorize it they're going to connect with it they might write it down they might frame these words of wisdom and put it up on their wall they might get a little sticker put it you know as a bumper sticker maybe a sticker inside their car what makes it special is who's saying it and what is their background so for imam abu daud as an amazing scholar in general and specifically in hadith sciences for him to specify imagine all the time all the effort all the blood sweat and tears imagine the exhaustion and fatigue that he must have put in to get all the way to that point and for him to offer these gems of wisdom i think we should really take them to heart bi'ithnillah he's specifying these four hadith take these four run with them 
and you'll be okay. You'll pass the class, you'll do just fine. And when you look at which four hadith, imagine if someone were to ask you, take half a million pieces of data and choose the four most important ones in your opinion. You're not just going to do so flippantly, especially if you really care about that field, if that's your area of expertise. You're not just going to you know, answer after three seconds of thinking. You're going to put a lot of thought into it. You're really going to think deeply before offering a sincere answer because you want to offer the best answer that you can. So he mentioned these four hadith. The first one, that actions are judged by their intentions. Actions are graded, you might say, based on their intentions. There are times when the intention is required for the action to be acceptable, period. It has to be there. Other times it's really, 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 really good. But some scholars, they say in some cases, it's, you know, in some situations, it's more so for completion as opposed to acceptance. So from one angle, there are some cases you need that intention to get the C- to pass the class. Like, it's, it's not even valid if it's not present. And then from another angle, no, you, you can still get a C, but if you want to get a B or an A, if you want the quality to rise, then that's where the intention factor plays a big part. A simple example is wudu. You have two camps. One opinion is the intention has to be there for acceptance, period. This is the Shafi'i opinion. The Hanafi opinion, the intention, it beautifies it and it completes it, but for wudu specifically, as beautiful as it is, as important as it is, it's not necessarily a requirement per se for your wudu to be accepted in the first place. And what's really beautiful, this should be appreciated, this should result in love for our history of scholarship, it should not turn into a, a, a pseudo-academic sparring match where you have two people who don't even know what they're talking about butting heads over things they don't even know what they're talking about. That's not the purpose of having different opinions in our deen. It's supposed to be appreciated. It's supposed to expand the heart of the believer. Wow, I didn't know there was a different opinion regarding this issue. I thought I knew everything about it. It turns out I don't. And the more a person studies deen, the more they see that and realize how little they know. So if anyone is walking around thinking that I know everything about deen, the reality is they probably know very, very, very little next to nothing. Maybe not nothing, but very close. And for the one walking around thinking that, you know, I'm going to have a very humble attitude and approach regarding these different things, especially if I'm at a dinner party and someone asks a question about deen, I'm not just going to flippantly answer because this is deen. This is more important than anything and everything else put, put together. It's better than anything else that may, that may be hoarded, amassed, compiled. It's worth more quantitatively and qualitatively. So if a person has that humility that I'm not just going to answer because I may have heard something randomly from somewhere out of respect to Allah and His Messenger, I'm going to say, I don't know. I'm going to say, let's go ask somebody else. I'm going to say, Let, let's have this discussion after we each go study for 10, 15 years, then maybe we can talk. 
Chances are during that process, if they actually do embark on that journey, along the way, they'll start to notice and realize, I thought I knew some things, I need to relearn everything that I thought that I knew. Especially when you consider different opinions regarding things. So when you look at the first of these four hadith, a person may think it's very simple. Okay, your intention, the, the actions are judged, they're graded based on the intentions. And that is true, and this is the beauty of our deen regarding the Qur'an and the Sunnah. There are elements of it that are simple enough for anyone and everyone to connect with it and to identify with it. There is that surface level which is needed and extremely important. So there's that part of it, but then there's also another part of it, the opposite end of the spectrum, where there's so much depth to our deen that even if somebody has studied for 50, 60, 70 years, and it's amazing when you look at quotes from different scholars, they may have invested decades upon decades of sincere study. And then after all those decades, they say, you know, now I feel like I'm just starting to understand the Qur'an. I feel like I'm just starting to understand our deen in terms of the depth of it. Both are present. And a lot of the time, the difference between one situation and another can be the intention. So if someone asks somebody a question, what's the intention when they answer? Everyone's going to say that, okay, they have a good, question, uh, a good intention, but it's far deeper than that because someone can have a good intention of trying to get to work, but if they drive on the wrong side of the road, their intention may be good, fine, and dandy, but they may kill somebody in the process of pursuing that good intention. So good intentions have to be coupled, especially in dealing with responsible action. They have to be coupled together. So when we look at this hadith, there's an incredible amount of depth and breadth when we think about the concept of intention. So we should ask ourselves on a regular basis, what are my intentions for today? What are my intentions for this week, for this month, for this year, for this decade, for my lifetime? When you look at the hadith, take advantage of five before five, there's so much wisdom that we can take away from it. What, what am I doing with my youth? What am I doing with my wealth? What am I doing with my health? What am I doing with my free time? What am I doing with my life period? What am I doing? What are my intentions for the youth? What are your intentions with your youth? Prove the world wrong when people say that youth is wasted on the youth. Prove them wrong. Not in our tradition. Not in our deen. Look at the history of Sultan Muhammad al-Fatih. How old was he when he conquered Constantinople? A goal of the Muslims for centuries, going back to the time of the Sahaba. He was 22. How old was Usama bin Zayd, the beloved of the beloved of the Prophet When the Prophet handpicked him to be the general of an army, Sayyidina Abu Bakr is still alive. Sayyidina Umar is still alive. Sayyidina Uthman is still alive. Sayyidina Ali is still alive. The Prophet is still alive, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the Prophet handpicks Usama bin Zayd at the age of 17. You're going to be the head of this army. This was immediately before the death of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we should ask ourselves, what are our intentions, especially for the youth? What are your intentions with your youth? If someone has health, what are your intentions with your health? Have you been vaccinated? If not, then you should. Make the intention to do so if you have not already done so. The intention is extremely important. What intentions do we have with our wealth, with our free time, with our life in general? 
Do we have sincere answers? We, we, we can fake it all we want with people. We can't fake anything with Allah Azza wa In my heart of hearts, do I have sincere answers for Allah regarding these different things? The first hadith is intentions. The second hadith, from the beauty of the Islam of a person, from the beautification of the Islam of a person is to leave what doesn't concern them. So I should ask myself, what concerns me? Something that definitely concerns me, especially these days, is health in connection with vaccination. Some people, they go and they, they want to talk until the cows come home about all kinds of nonsense and gossip. That does not concern them. But if you ask them, have you been vaccinated? I'm not necessarily suggesting to go and do that. It can turn into a huge argument. But the point is, some people, they focus so much on a thousand things that don't concern them at all. But then when there's this issue, which is, which is something that definitely does concern them, which can be a life or death issue potentially, that's very relevant. That ties in with this hadith. What concerns you and what doesn't concern you? If you want to beautify your deen, focus on what concerns you. Do that. You won't have time for what doesn't concern you. Even if you wanted to, you don't have that luxury anymore. The third hadith, loving for your brother what you love for yourself. I want good health and life for other people like I want it for myself. So I have to do my part. I have to prioritize my health in general and specifically in connection with vaccination. I have to. I have to approach that issue like it's wajib because, because if I choose not to, and that can potentially save my life. Look at the Qur'an. Look at Surah Al-Ma'idah. What's the last ayah revealed regarding ahkam, rulings of halal and haram, specifically the third ayah in Surah Al-Ma'idah. Look at a concept mentioned. There are certain types of food that are made haram. But if you're about to die, is it halal, yes or no? The answer is yes, of course. Why? Because when there's a ruling in deen, regarding deen, regarding sharia, and then in that same situation, if you have a ruling in deen, but then there's another element that's life or death, life or death always takes precedence. In Muslim Spain, when Muslims are being attacked and massacred, do you think people would openly say, I am Muslim? Of course not. Why? It was an issue of life or death, so they had to hide their deen. And if it meant they didn't pray during that window of time because there's a, there's a soldier outside staring into their house to see, now it's Asr time, are you going to pray or not? At that time, do you pray or no? Without question, the answer is no. Why? To preserve life. That's how important it is. We know how important prayer is in our deen. Abdullah bin Mas'ud asked the Prophet, what's the best deed in our deen? The Prophet said, praying on time. Even then in that type of situation, what takes precedence? Life, the preservation of life. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabiyya, ayyuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima, sallallahu ala muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To recap on the first two and then to conclude with the last two and a brief announcement inshaAllah. The first of these four hadith, again, who is this coming from? Imam Abu Dawood, may Allah have mercy on him. The first one, actions are judged by their intentions. The second one, from the, the beauty, the, the beautification, you could even say the perfection, the excellence 
of wanting to perfect your deen, beautify your deen, is to leave what doesn't concern you. And the third one, to, to love for your brother or sister, of course, what you love for yourself. That has to do with your brother and sister in humanity, and it especially has to do with your brother and sister in Islam. Both apply. It's not one or the other. There's layer one, which is all of humanity. Bani Adam. وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا Bani Adam. We're all children of Adam and Eve. So loving for your brother and sister in humanity, what you love for yourself. In this case, life over death. And especially regarding the Muslim community. Wanting and loving for your Muslim brother and sister what you want and love for yourself. What is the fourth one? The Prophet mentioned that what's halal is clear, what's haram is clear, and there are many issues in between, there are many gray areas in between. So what was the advice of the Prophet? To ask those who know. Many people don't know these issues, but what that means is, chances are there are going to at least be some who do, i.e. ask the expert. So what are experts in healthcare saying? Based on the conversations that I personally had with the different doctors in our community, especially those who spend time in the ICU or in the ER. All the ones I've spoken to, they're vaccinated. All of them are encouraging their, their family and friends to get vaccinated if they can. I mean, you have certain age limitations, literally, like if you're younger than five years old, then there's nothing that you can do. You may have some fringe cases, people with extreme circumstances, but for 99% of us, we should and we have to. I would argue Islamically it's wajib, it's an obligation for us to do this, to protect our own lives. At the end of that hadith, the Prophet said there's a piece of flesh in the body, if it's good, everything is good, if it's corrupt, everything is corrupt. Indeed it's the heart. What are my intentions regarding vaccination? Am I focused on what does concern me? And that definitely does. Especially if you have kids, it's extra wajib, it's more important for you to get vaccinated than to pray with. Just to put things in perspective. MashaAllah, there are some people that no matter how sick they are, no, even if they don't have to, they could be traveling, they could be on the other side of the world in the middle of snow. If I'm praying my witr, I'm praying my witr, it can't tell me otherwise. I don't care. This is more of an obligation than that because it's an issue of life or death. I'll conclude with this. I was talking to someone and, uh, a few months ago and they said that they knew someone who was very anti-vaccination, you know, rah, rah, rah. That guy was 31 years old, his wife was 31 years old, they had two young kids. They didn't have history of you know, being in the hospital and health issues, they were relatively healthy. They both end up getting diagnosed with COVID. They both end up in the hospital when he's on what would become, unfortunately, his deathbed. At that point, he was asking, now can I get vaccinated, especially because of my kids? And they said, sorry, we can't do anything. He ends up passing away. Same thing happened to his wife at the same time. Is that fair to those kids? No. Thank you. Is that fair to those kids? They have to grow up as orphans without mom and dad hugging and kissing them because they didn't want to get shots. In our deen, hajj is fard. Fard. If a person can go, you got to go. Even hajj, as we know, was suspended because of issues of life or death. 
That's how serious this is. We have to do our part. I'll read something before concluding. Uh, Mass SSF, the Muslim American Society Social, Serv Social Services Foundation is a nonprofit organization that provides wellness and mental health services to keep families together. They support any challenges that a person is going through by providing support in five languages and connecting them to resources. Mass SSF has vaccination awareness workshops uh, on the coming Saturday, so tomorrow, January 8th, in English and Dari, Farsi languages and other languages during January at their office on Auburn Boulevard, you will receive a $50 gift card for attending the 30-minute workshops. You will need to register in advance. For more information, please visit their table at the entrance door. We have to take this seriously. There are too many cases of people, Muslim or non-Muslim, passing away because they're not doing their part. What is the answer to Allah Azza wa Jal? Especially if those kids have to struggle and suffer what are the parents going to say on Judgment Day? What's their excuse and will it be valid or not? We ask Allah to forgive us and to protect us, but we have to think logically and we also have to think Islamically, both point in the same direction. We ask Allah to guide us and forgive us. We ask Allah to open our hearts to do as much good as we can in the limited time that we have in our lives. We ask Allah to forgive us and to protect us. Amin.